0: Hello? Anybody home?
1: Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people
2: can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, Ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change
0: the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government.
2: The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the gripping imprint of It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes.
0: Perception is the key, and the heart is the solution.
1: Heart perception will change everything.
0: I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. You can find us on the Fringe five nights a week, Monday through Friday, right after Lighting the Void with Joe Roop. Check out our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com. You can also find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and check out the big conference that we have coming up called Fringe Fest. By visiting the fringefest.com to get your tickets today when you go to the fringefest.com you can also use my name Ryan, use the name Ryan, the promo code Ryan and you will get a discount on those tickets. They're already pretty cheap and you get 2 days of conference material with speakers like Elena Freeland, Jordan Maxwell, and many, many others. Just go to TheFringeFest.com for more information, or if you're on our website, you can click the link at the very top of the page so that you can get a direct link to TheFringeFest.com. If you missed last night's show, or the show the night before, or the show on Monday, as always, they're in the archive. And I've done radio so long now that I just I do a show, and I think, wow, that was a really great conversation Or I learned a lot last night by speaking to a guest when we have a guest. And then I kind of lose track of that and I end up talking about something else and I forget how awesome a particular subject is. Like I haven't talked about archaeology or ancient human civilization maybe more than like once or twice this entire year. I kind of feel bad about that because I love that subject. So we had Jared Murphy on last night and he's talking about engineered soil and how all the UFO sightings or a lot of UFO sightings and a lot of the things that we see as being the result of alien engineering, I guess. You know, giant megalithic structures we have uh, from pyramids all over the world to enormous temples to Gobekli Tepe. Uh, we were talking off-air about the, the, the history of basically the planet and the the changing of the continents. He was showing me the Doggerlands last night. I had actually never seen that. Um, something on New, Z- New Zealandia, which I think I came across that in the news at one point. So I learned a lot from Jared Murphy last night, and I hope that you did too. I hope that you learned something. That's what the show's all about, learning together. And we talked um, quite a bit about engineered soil in the first segment, first two segments. And I know, like, from the outside looking in, that might sound, you know, it's not, as he said, it's not as sexy as, like, a UFO or an alien spacecraft. But all the stuff he's talking about is actually evidence of something pretty incredible. And other researchers, Michael Cremo, for example, or Scott Walter, or, um, I mean, Robert Schock, there's a lot of people, Graham Hancock, um, all people that Of all the things I've done in radio, I've never actually interviewed Cremo, I've never interviewed... I've interviewed Scott Walter, but I've never interviewed uh, Graham Hancock. That's kind of on my wish list. Uh, But these guys have been doing incredible work in various fields, not just archaeology, for decades. And have really redefined uh, the field of archaeology. They've redefined history and pretty much any other field that comes into contact with those fields... And because of that, and for a number of other reasons, both financial and dogmatic, nothing ever changes in terms of the official narrative because it's just not acceptable to move out of line with an ideology that is profitable or an ideology that is dogmatic, and you'd have to redo the whole system to teach new generations we really don't know as much as we thought we knew, but if we keep an open mind and we allow information to take us to a conclusion or to a theory, it will be a lot better off than if we let the theory take us to the information, which results in what Jared was talking about last night, where, and I've heard this before, but he's talking about archaeologists just literally, you know, doing an excava- excavation, and they're just throwing out things that don't con- confirm, you know, pre-, consider- pre preconditioned biases, or just keeping things in the ground buried, like, well, that doesn't, Confirm our bias, so let's just keep that in the ground, or let's just throw that out and pulverize it, get rid of it. I mean, just so much history has been lost as a result of that. And I think, I think, I think he mentioned it on air last night. I think he mentioned the Nazca lines, and funny enough, the Nazca lines are actually in the news today. Apparently, I thought this was a joke at first, but this is from Live Science. There's a story about the Nazca line geoglyph which is a 120-foot-long cat. I mean, it kind of looks like, I don't know, it kind of looks like a, like a, a, a child's doodle in kindergarten, you know, something that maybe like a 3-year-old would draw. But apparently this is a new Nazca line. They've just discovered it, and it's a giant cat. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know enough about the Nazca lines in this regard to speak as an expert on the subject, But I just thought that was interesting because of what we discussed last night. And then here's a new story that just came out from Live Science. I've linked it up on the website at thesecretteachings.info. They've dated the cat to 200 and 100 B.C. So it's a very old cat, probably been through its nine lives. Archaeologists discovered this giant cat on a hillside in southern Peru, one of the latest of the Nazca Lines which, I mean, if you don't know what these things are, they're just these giant, enormous, mysterious, human-made outlines of animals, uh, plants, and other things that are dating to pre-Columbian times, and you really can't, unless it's on a mountainside and you have a really good view, you can't really determine what these things are. They just look like lines. But when you see it from the air, then it looks like, you know, an animal. Uh, And the funny thing is... It's like, that. that's what we talked last night about, too. Everything comes down to aliens. Like, we can't see it from the ground without a really good view. And we have to, we can see it better in the air, so that must mean aliens built it, or it was built for aliens. Like, everything just comes down to aliens. Don't you think that kind of cheapens the thrill? I mean, like, if you if you were to, you know, you wake up tomorrow, and there's a discovery of, like, an enormous spacecraft or something that's definitely not human and they raise it out of the ground there it is a giant alien spacecraft it has you know the model number on it where it was built zeta reticuli or somewhere like that and look we found an alien spacecraft wouldn't that be kind of cheapened by all the speculation and all the the biased dogmatic theories that everything has to be alien you know in the same way that the on the other side of history and archaeology it's like everything has to be humans in loincloths and if it's not humans in loincloths then it must not exist there's no way that intelligent um, upright humanoid beings existed let alone had any level of technological know-how or development or tools uh, you know within a certain period of time it's the same thing it's ancient aliens not the tv show but ancient aliens is a is the same kind of dogma Everything, instead of being humans in loincloths, evolving from gorillas, is humans evolving from aliens, and every single structure is an alien structure. Uh, Every single Nazca line is like, it's like a guide to where the UFO is supposed to land. I mean, mean, it's the same exact kind of dogma. It's the same thing in the, I I guess you could call it ufology, where it's just like a religion now. You know the aliens are demons and angels, and you might ascend or you might go to hell and there's are which is part part of the rapture as well it's just it's like theological dogma is all that it is, and we think of technology from the standpoint of what we have today, like I'm sitting here in studio i've got a I've got a mixing board, I've got a macBook air, a very old MacBook air, so if you want to get me a gift for Christmas. A new, a new MacBook Air with a lot of memory, because this one's, I've just burned this one out. I've got like a recorder, I've got, you know, my computer, keyboard, I've got the whole setup here. Fair, it's fairly antiquated, but it lets me get the job done, right? Because it's not really about having the fancy equipment, it's about the information, and as long as it sounds good, the quality's good, then it's worth something. But I have all this technology around me, and just because we didn't go into a tomb in Egypt and find like a tablet not the kind of tablet maybe you're thinking of but if we didn't go in and find a tablet with an apple logo on the back there are really people that are professionals who think well we didn't find an iPhone so they must not have been technologically advanced right well it's it's almost like the opposite because if you if you reversed the situation and you w- went back in time, and you had all this technology then. And then a new civilization w- w- was built off of the old one after some cataclysm. And they didn't use tablets or iPhones. They used stones, and they used uh, you know sound waves and frequencies to levitate and move things and to, to, to build things, these enormous structures, and everything was built. So that it would be it would be timeless and it would be able to withstand the test of time, natural disasters, cataclysms, and et cetera, et cetera. And they looked back and they would probably see the same thing and think the same thing. This is my speculation. Well, they had these like weird black mirror devices. I mean, these people must not have been that intelligent. I mean, they were building things that just fell apart. I mean, I'm surprised that we even have any remnants of this left over. Just a few things preserved you know, in the rock, like little tiny gadgets and components, but these people must have been really, really primitive. You know, that's probably what they would look at. They would probably think that we're very primitive. You see what I mean? Like, really think about that for a second. Because everything we do, we think it's so advanced because it's on a phone or it's on a tablet. We can stare into the black mirror. And there's a calculator, and there's internet access, and there's music, and you can look up everything from the Encyclopedia Britannica to uh, you know a digital book that you want to read to pornography to uh, you know literally endless amounts of of learning videos on YouTube and other platforms. You can access all that in that tiny little black mirror. But does it mean that the human, that the individual using it, is as intelligent or as aware, as conscious, as developed as those humans that maybe developed that technology. So if you have the development of something that is very advanced by whatever definition, whatever standard, it's only as advanced in terms of the whole human race. This is just my perspective of the whole human race in regards to the lowest common denominator. So if all of the human race is of a substandard intelligence, and other people, in terms of how we define intelligence, are developing these incredible inventions. Well, that's great, but that doesn't speak for all of humanity. Now, if you were to reverse it once more, I, I highly doubt, but I have no idea. I doubt, just because it sounds logical within context with today's society and culture... That you know, uh, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand years ago, whatever time frame you want, you want to to look at, that every single human being living in that time was also as intelligent as the most advanced, who were the designers of the temples and the pyramids, who were the designers of the, of 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 the giant structures and perhaps that engineered soil that Jared spoke about last night on the show, Jared Murphy. Maybe then, again, again, maybe they all were that intelligent. And see that I think that's what it's hard to understand or it's hard to grasp is that if these ancient civilizations were so incredibly powerful and so incredibly advanced, why aren't they here anymore? Did they willingly take their leave, or did something annihilate them? And it it must have been some form of cataclysmic event. And something's obviously missing in the historical uh, record, but some kind of cataclysmic event that wasn't detrimental enough to, like, wipe out all of the, the, the structures and the buildings that they created. But it was big enough, it was bad enough to destroy everything that was um, that was not as, you know, physically tangible. So any human being disappeared. And I think it's hard for us probably in the subconscious, to comprehend that, because we think, well, look, we have these skyscrapers, we have these iPhones. We're, we're at the height of human civilization here. And if we consider, well, maybe there were those who were far more advanced than we are, they're not here today, then probably we're not as safe as we, we'd like to think that we are. And that's probably subconscious, or the and part of the collective human subconscious, Uh, how we feel. But there are others, you know, like myself and like you, who don't get worried about that. And we're just interested in learning about the history, about archaeology. We're interested in learning about, you know, technology, because what exactly is technology? Technology is something that has been developed. Technology is something that doesn't have to be machine, but something that is developed, that allows us to perform certain actions. It's the application of scientific knowledge for purposes, practical purposes, especially in industry. And I define, to start off my book, The Technological Elixir, I define technology, and I define the, the different words that are often within the conversation of technology, like Everything from artificial intelligence to supercomputers to cyborgs and things like that. Because if you go into a discussion on the subject, like I did in my technology book, you have to have a base understanding of what the words mean. What, what, at least, not necessarily what they mean as, as a definitive definition, but what they mean in the sense that, like, okay, we're going to go on this journey together. Let's make sure we're all on the same page. What do we classify as technology? And if we classify technology as an iPhone and as a tablet or an Android phone, then it's going to be really hard to recognize that, oh, look, somehow, tens of thousands of years ago, people in loincloths with unibrows built structures that with supercomputers we can't redesign and build today. And that doesn't make any sense, but we suffer from cognitive dissonance and we believe, oh, well, okay, they were primitive, but they still built these things. And others might be even more delusional, although it's a good theory, I guess, to to some extent. Like, initially it was a good theory, and then when evidence comes out to the contrary, it's not, it's not a good theory anymore, but we keep looking for evidence of the ancient alien theory. And, yeah, I understand that's become a cultural phenomenon, and I've met all those guys, and Giorgio's a cool guy from my experience. I, I like David Hatchard Childress, and all, I don't even know how many people are on that show anymore. Um uh, was it Michael Collins? He's been on that show. I met him. A lot of these people that have been on the show, they're not, they're not bad people. They're just people that are presenting their research. They're getting a check and they're famous and they go to conferences and that's it. But if we really want to understand and we really want to learn, we need to understand first and foremost, what it is that we're actually looking for. And I know that question might imply that what we're looking for is something specific, something particular. But when I ask that question, what exactly are we looking for, when I think about that, the answer to that question is nothing in particular. It's like Jared said last night, he said we need to pay archaeologists not to find things. We shouldn't be looking for anything. We should just be digging and thinking and coming to conclusions based on evidence. We should have a completely wiped clean slate on whatever field that we're investigating in. It's the same thing. It could be crop circles. It could be cattle mutilations. It could be anything. So what we're looking for is really nothing in particular, nothing of any kind of specific interest. We're just looking. And if we find something then we'll have a conversation. You know, that's it. It's kind of like, you know, if you go to a a car dealership or you go to an upscale store, they get the salesperson that comes over and can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you find something? No, we're just looking. But a lot of archaeologists are like, yes, you can help me find something. I'm looking for something that I can put in my study that looks really cool. I'm looking for something to confirm the biases of the university that paid me to come out here and spend six months digging this hole. Can you help me find that? Oh, sure, sir. Come right over here. We'll find that for you. It's like, no, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna have a look around. If I find something cool, we'll talk about it. You know, it. it I don't know. It's really incredible to me. Of all the people I've talked to over the years, the kind of stuff that like M. Don Shorn found in his research, and the kind of stuff with Jared Murphy last night, the stuff I've listened to with Graham Hancock and like these aren't before it's news people these aren't like one subscriber on youtube trolls that make money ripping people off these are like very intelligent genius level sometimes people that blow me away with the with the research and the and the and the experience they've had in these fields and it just like daily redefines what it means to be human and what Our history is all about. To me, that is fascinating. But if we focus on that subject of technology, we can extract a lot more out of it than simply the idea that technology implies some form of machine with a logo on it from some company. That technology means a lot of things. Technology can be how you grow your food more efficiently. Technology can be how you construct a building. Technology can be something that is uh, utilized in order to serve a purpose that is practical, both individually, collectively, as part of industry, and as part of society, with an application of scientific understanding. Technology can be any number of things, and technology just too often gets associated with phones and tablets and all that we change our perspective then our understanding begins to change and I want I want to talk tonight a little bit about technological development in 2020 and what technology today has become and what technology today is being used for we haven't done a technology show for a while. I, I wrote a whole book on this called The Technological Elixir. It's on the website at thesecretteachings.info. You can get a copy today. But we're going to go into some of the new revelations of what technology is going to be used for in 2020 and beyond. And it's not just something out of a dystopian novel, it's very bizarre, very weird. And doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes, like the remote controlled machines that give you candy on Halloween because you can't go trick or treating. Bizarre stuff. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this, as always. Don't go anywhere right here on The Fringe FM.
1: David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to the Secret Teachings. Want more of The Fringe? Check out the Fringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe Mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM.
0: this is the secret teachings to contact the show to share information and your opinion or give recommendations email rd gable at yahoo.com visit the facebook page at facebook.com slash the secret teachings or our website the info
3: if you'd like to hear more of the secret teachings if you missed a show or part of a show Sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, Ryan, and yourself.
2: Alex Exum. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Calling all witches, warlocks, goblins, and ghouls. Join us for a two-day Halloween extravaganza featuring the biggest names in the paranormal universe. Friday, October the 30th and Saturday, October the 31st. Get your tickets before they sell out at thefringefest.com. That is thefringefest.com. Trick or truth, the choice is yours.
0: You're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting.
2: May I have the password, please?
0: The Fringe FM.
2: That's right, sir. That is the password.
0: Listening to the secret teachings. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is the Fringe FM. The Fringe.fm is the network website. If you have Apple or if you have Android, you can go to the Apple Store or the Android Store. What is that, the Google Play Store? I'm not sure. I've had Apple most of my life, but whatever it is, if you have the other phone, and download the Fringe FM app to listen to the network and there are other cool features of the fringe fm app like you can use the little um voice recorder and you can send us messages or comments or whatever through the network and it'll upload it into the into the system with that app you can check that out on apple or android i think it's also on alexa but you know me i'm i'm in terms of business, I'm kind of counterproductive. I don't like Alexa. I don't like. I don't even like Apple, but I really don't like Alexa because if anything listens to me, it's not just my phone. It's these artificially intelligent voice assistants. So I don't want anything to do with Alexa, but you can. If you have Alexa, you can use it uh, for, the, for the Fringe. Fringe.fm is the network website. And also the Fringe Fest, I'm going to keep hammering on this because it's coming up fast, thefringefest.com. Use the... Promo code Ryan, R-Y-A-N, and you get a discount for your tickets to the Fringe Fest. You can see all the speakers, or at least some of the speakers, on thefringefest.com. And as always, we're giving out free tickets. Tonight, we're going to do it different. Tonight, the first two emails get a pair of tickets, rdgable at yahoo.com. And that's it, rdgable at yahoo.com, two free tickets, first two emails, go. You get two free tickets to the Fringe Fest. So last night we talked a lot about technology. And we talked a lot about technology in regards to ancient human civilization. And I did a lot of thinking. I actually talked to Jared Murphy. We talked like two hours before the show and an hour after the show. So I had like a, a five-hour conversation with this guy. And he was showing me all this great stuff. He was sending it over to me, maps and uh, you know material from his book. It's not aliens, worse, it's us. And, I mean, I, I don't really have a lot of guests on anymore, so I, I get pretty excited to learn new stuff from people. But I started thinking after that conversation, and I was thinking it this morning and most of today, if you have an iPhone or any kind of phone, a so-called smartphone, it does all these different things, right? It does the the calculator. It does the Internet. It does applications for whatever it is that, I mean, for the fringe FM, it hasn't. There's an app for that, you know? And so the phone does pretty much everything. But the people that use the phone, generally, as IQs steadily drop and attention spans steadily drop statistically in the mainline literature, the individuals using it, I mean, and that includes you and me. The individuals using it aren't necessarily able to do basic human functions like some people rely on a calculator so much they can't do basic arithmetic you know i mean we had um when i was in when I was in high school we had a i had a German class that i took i took four years of German and one of the german classes i and this is in high school I'm like in the year that I took it in ninth grade, like I started it in ninth grade, but I think it was like the second or third year. So this is like tenth or eleventh grade. There was a girl in the German class who did not know how to tell time from a digital clock. I'll never forget that. She literally, she because we had to tell the you know the time in uh, in German, and th- this girl could not tell time in English on a digital clock. It just blew my mind, and I was not a smart kid. All right, I was a very dumb kid, but it blew my mind, and it just stuck with me. And you might think, well, how could you not tell time? You just must not know numbers. Yes, she didn't know numbers, and she almost was out of high school. How is that possible? Well, there are a lot of reasons for that, but perhaps one of the reasons is we have machines that do everything for us. So at some point, in the development of certain technologies, we work and work and work to build this structure, to build this system. And then the goal is supposed to be that the system will then work for us. And we won't have to really do much. I mean, from the printing press to the cotton gin to cars, you know, to uh, forks and spoons. Whatever the technology is that makes life easier, to the washing machine and the dryer, to the stove, to, although I hate it, the microwave, you know, to canned food after World War II. All these things that are, it's not part of some conspiracy, it's part of the evolution of human development, human society, culture, uh, economics, warfare. And as this all comes together, we start to realize that with all this technology, we can create a life of luxury. and they, At least that's what we think initially. And then as we develop the technology and we start to use it, it, things are so expensive, we end up working more in order to purchase things that are supposed to make our lives easier and more luxurious. And in some ways, perhaps they do. You don't have to go down to the river with a washboard and you know, wash the clothes. But there are trade-offs. And there might be things that we would otherwise consider to be problems or long, drawn-out processes. But once those problems are solved or those long, drawn-out processes are reduced, what typically happens is we find that there are a plethora of additional problems. But since we were so concerned with the original problem, we tend to overlook the five or six other problems that come about as a result of fixing the original problem. And that's what happens with technological development. It happens naturally. So now what do you do with all this free time? Well, you have more gadgets and you have more gizmos and they're expensive. So you have to work for them and you, you, you end up becoming a slave to the technology. In other words, you work for it. It does not work for you. And maybe that's one of the greatest lies of the industrial age And perhaps it's not so much a lie as it is just like a theory. Like if we have all these great, wonderful technologies, you can live a life of luxury. But what have these great, wonderful technologies done? In some ways, it's a life of luxury, I guess. If you consider watching TV and playing video games, a life of luxury. But it's also disconnected us from each other. And it has disconnected us from the environment around us. And you don't have to be a hippie to recognize this. And you don't have to have, you know, patchouli oil. And, you know, you don't have to not shave and have a man bun to recognize this, you know, or drink craft beer. You don't have to do any of this or have tight jeans or have black rimmed glasses or dye your hair or vote for a Democrat. You don't have to do any of this to be a hippie or to recognize the disconnection. In fact, it's so obvious and so overt that we've come to the point where it's like everybody knows that, but we don't really want to address it. It's just common knowledge now. In fact, our recognizing of how disconnected as individuals and as a collective we are from our environment has become a new normal. And it's almost, in a way, ironic that our new normal as a result of so-called disease And so-called, you know, necessary mandatory lockdowns to stop the spreading of disease, which doesn't work. It's absolutely anti-science and anti-human. But that has further disconnected us from the environment around us. And that is an intentional disconnection. So you're locked down, you're spending more time on social media, like anyone with at least a brain cell functioning. Recognizes that you see these stories and these reports there i 'm going to speak very generally here. Um, you see these stories the reports from like major news publications or universities they're like new research suggests that uh, children at home for long extended periods of time without seeing their friends or without seeing the rest of their family or without going to school are more likely to be depressed. New research finds you don't we don't really need the new research to determine that. Kids need that interaction. Uh, humans need that interaction. And so it's, um you know, it's like I did a show Friday called Black Transmutation where we looked at the rates that are increasing of homelessness, poverty in general, starvation, like to the tune of hundreds of millions of people as a result of lockdown and the result of lockdown in countries like the United States and parts of the UK and other parts of the world, where suicide rates have skyrocketed, and where people that are within my generation, I'm not proud to say I'm millennial, I guess, if you have to define me, put me into a category but i'm I guess at my generation, the millennials are it's like one in three suffer from like severe mental disability and and maybe and part of that okay, not maybe part of that is because the severe disability has just been redefined. So if you feel, you know, you didn't get enough sleep last night, you wake up, you feel kind of tired and depressed. That's a mental disorder now. You don't want to go to work. You only want to work 10 hours a week because you're lazy. Well, that's a mental disorder now. It's called burnout syndrome. According to the International Classification of Diseases and the World Health Organization, you being a lazy son of a bitch means that you have a mental disorder now. And maybe you do. It's called lethargy and sloth. It's one of the seven sins. But there are other reasons that you might feel that way. It could be diet. It could be not getting enough sunlight. There's a lot of different factors that come into play here. The point is, in our current state of isolation, as a result of so-called disease, we've turned to technology as the savior once more, which is what my book is called, The Technological Elixir. It is the elixir that will save us from all the bad stuff. It'll save us from death. It'll it'll keep us alive forever. Keep us functioning. Keep the 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 engine humming along. But what has it done, except to create disconnect? Now I'm not saying technology is a is a bad is such a stale term, but and i mean it would be disingenuous to try to find an, another term that would be more applicable but t- it's not that technology is bad or technology is evil or oh you don't like technology why are you using it that's not what i mean what what i mean is there needs to be some level of responsibility on an individual level in recognizing that sometimes you know you're sad or you're depressed or you have some other kind of problem it's not because of some mental condition or it's not a result even of your diet it's a result of spending too much time connected to the machine because the machine virtual world is an artificial synthetic world and we're not artificial synthetic beings we are organic beings and we need each other and we need our environment And when we disconnect from it, we are disconnecting from the source of life. So, this is why witches, yeah, I knock on TikTok witches because I think they're preposterous. I think they are asinine. But I have the viewpoint of, uh, you know, your average traditional witch that the intention in celebrating certain holy days or holidays and Dancing and drawing down the moon, and the different rituals and things that are performed, Um, you know, the symbols, the sigils, the tools that are used for ritual, uh, the four elements. This is to align yourself with nature because within nature is the fundamental underlying energy and the fundamental underlying force of, of human, whatever human is in a non physical way. It's the spirit, it's everywhere. It's in everything. You can breathe it in when you go outside and feel that crisp, cool autumn air. You can feel it when the sun hits you. So if that is our source of life, in a sense, if that is our source of life and we're disconnected from it, not because of some conspiracy, but because of a number of reasons that might involve some conspiracies, That might involve control, that might involve money, that might involve special interests, that might involve bias and bigotry, that might involve people that just don't take responsibility. Who knows? It's a lot of different things. But the point is, disconnecting from that source, you're probably going to feel much more isolated. And then you get like these, you get these studies again that are like, you know, students that stay at home for long extended periods of time are more likely to be depressed Really? You needed to spend like $100,000 and interview people to find out that if they're home by themselves and they don't go to work and they don't communicate with others and everything's digital, that they're going to be depressed? Really? Anybody, I think, can figure that out without a degree. It's pretty simple. You feel it. I'm not feeling good because I'm not connected with other people. I'm not connected with my environment and you know we get these we get these these words and these phrases that become popular popular and you know i i understand what they mean but they can be kind of frustrating because you know there's always that political angle or an environmentalist angle it's just like come on man just get back out in nature and that's such a stale phrase it's such a stale statement just get back out in nature and you'll feel feel good when someone tells me that The only thing I think that'll make me feel good is me punching them in the face. I get tired of hearing that. Get out of nature. You'll feel good. It'll be great. Go out and hug a tree. Like, I understand the underlying current of what you're saying. I just don't like how trendy that's become. But for all intents and purposes, yeah, go outside and enjoy nature because it will probably make you feel better. And do not bring your phone with you. And, you know, you get other things like just, man, come on, just like, you just need to understand that everything is connected, everything is one, we're all part of the same family. And again, it's like the only thing about that that, um, that I disagree on is the fact that you have to repeat and regurgitate what is a trendy social hashtag and a trendy social commentary on the state of human existence. I don't want to hear that. How about you come up with like an original thought? How about you think for yourself and say, when someone's feeling down about something, you tell them, well, maybe we could go for a walk because when I'm in nature, I feel really good. Like, that's another way to approach it. You're not going to get to anybody. At least you're not going to. I get it. And it makes me want to stay inside and lock myself down when I hear people to tell me go outside and take a walk because it's just a nice, really great, really nice, great day outside. And if I go outside, all my depression goes away. Well, that makes me more depressed. Because sometimes I know what makes me depressed, it's not because I don't have enough sunlight. It's because I'm dealing with other things. Other things that might be a result that have nothing to do with the environment, that might be a result of certain social and cultural issues that we're dealing with. It might be a result of me not being able to go to the store and communicate with people and enjoy the shopping experience at a grocery store, which I love. I love to go shopping for food because I have to wear a mask and be judged by ignorant people that think that because I don't have a mask on, I'm trying to kill them. Maybe that's why I'm a little bit depressed, and that's what it's, I mean, and I shouldn't be, but that's what, it's, that's what it's designed to do, disconnect. So no, if I feel depressed because of that, going out in nature for me doesn't work, but for you it might work. And maybe I discover that it does work for myself as long as no one tells me that. I know people are being helpful, and I actually say the same things to people sometimes. But my point is, of all this rambling, the point is, the source of that energy is within nature. And the more you disconnect from it, the more disconnected you're going to feel from the source that's in nature. It's that simple. And technological development is a wonderful thing that makes life easier. But there needs to be possibly an arbitrary one, but a a line drawn so that we do not allow the technology to control us. We think we're controlling it. The more we develop, the better it makes life. But if we're not careful the technology ends up controlling us rather than us controlling the technology. I try to do my best personally. I try not to stay near my phone. I try to disconnect as much as I can from, I only have one social media page and it's for radio. And as soon as I post the show, I'm out. So if you don't get a response from me on Facebook, I just can't be on there. And I just can't stare at a computer screen all day. I just can't do it. And I even if I could, I just kind of refuse to do it. I don't want to participate in that. I'm trying to limit my exposure to it. Because I know that when I don't, in the moment I'm entranced, but afterwards I feel really, really bad. I feel completely disconnected. And, I mean, I live a pretty solitary life anyway, so it's not necessarily disconnection from other people. I just feel a disconnection from, like, I guess you could call it source or divinity or its energy. i feel a disconnection from the energy around me. And it's an entirely different world when you switch from the synthetic artificial environment to the organic natural environment, and you feel completely different. Technology is not a bad thing. And depending on how you define technology, there are many, 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 perhaps endless in regards to how many human perspectives there are individually and collectively over the the whole existence of mankind, the whole existence of humankind. But there are many, many different perspectives on it. And technology only becomes a negative, destructive thing when we allow it to control us and when we allow it to separate us. Otherwise, it's just a tool like anything else. That's how I start my technology book out. It's just about how technology is a tool. It can be useful and beneficial for constructing something that is good and that is positive, that benefits a majority of people or that benefits a group of people, or it can be destructive. And if your goal is to to be destructive, then, of course, it can be beneficial in its destructive um, outcomes, it can be destructive in its you know in in the tendencies by which those use to destroy using that technology otherwise you can use it as a positive force now the, the philosophical level again it's the disconnection from source or whatever you know whatever it is that you want to call it divinity on uh, on a mechanical physical level it's you in front of a monitor putting your information into a computer and participating in the uploading of your consciousness into a machine. And so when people tell you or when they allude to it or when you see it in a movie that your consciousness is going to be uploaded into a computer and Ray Kurzweil and Google say they want to do this by 2030... And you're just waiting and waiting and waiting like you were for the hover car. You know, like you were waiting for some Jetson Society. You're waiting and waiting and waiting. Oh, it's never going to happen. No, it's happening. It's just not happening the way you think it's happening. Everything you post online, everything that you type and delete and don't send, there's a record of everything. There's a digital avatar constructed in that environment of you, of your family. Of individuals, there's a digital version of you, there's a digital version of your family, there's a digital version of our entire civilization, data being plugged into it in real time, and in that simulation as it becomes, you could plug data into it and fast forward time in the sense that you stimulate that environment and you see what these possible outcomes are to the artificial stimuli and if you do it as an advanced form of intelligence that's artificial you can run those calculations and simulations probably in a matter of of seconds and have any determined outcome that's that's predetermined any determined outcome set in motion by the by the um by the introduction of stimuli it's like that movie with Tom Cruise where that supercomputer was running everything, and they would wake up every day and think they were making advances on it, but really it was making advances on them. They thought every day they were getting closer to the source until they find out it's like it's an artificially intelligent computer system, and it's actually been pushing them back, but in their minds they felt like they were making progress forward. That's very similar to what technology looks like to me. We think we're advancing, we think we're progressing forward, and it looks cool, we're connected to it, it makes us feel good, It gives us that rush of chemicals in the brain. It makes us feel like we are connected to others who are large, vast distances away. But we feel, as a result, if you look at the results, we feel more disconnected. We feel like we're more isolated. And we feel like we're missing something. We're missing that connection, clearly and obviously. But where does the technology take us that we think is, uh, we, we feel perhaps, that the technology is taking us in a direction that benefits us. But maybe it's taking us in a direction that benefits it. Or that benefits those who are developing and controlling it. You know, your phone isn't there listening because they want to provide you with better search results. They're not spending billions of dollars on voice assistance to make your life easier. It's clearly a control grid. Built off of technological developments that were mere conveniences to help humans that could, that came about as a result of the Second World War with canned foods or microwaves and all that. Now it's a hijacked technological industrialization, and that's what we're facing. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere. Right here on the Fringe FM www.thesecretteachings.info is our website you can subscribe to our archive to support the show please do that if you enjoy us if you get something out of the show you also get access to the montages with your subscription and my books in digital form or if you'd like to buy a book separately my book the technological elixir is on the website at thesecretteachings.info you can read reviews and order a copy there You can also use my name, Ryan, as a promo code to get your tickets to Fringe Fest. Just visit thefringefest.com. This is The Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. that show is now running all day friday and all day saturday on history channel which is really amazing i don't know if there's any other show on tv that's doing that right now so i hate this channel or you could listen to the secret teachings with myself ryan gable five nights a week and join us to explore the outer limits and quarantine zones of history symbolism parapolitics myth and more we don't have insiders or some galactic confederation ambassador but we do have books memories critical thinking skills, and an ability to recognize patterns. And we also know a little bit about a lot, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. Find TheFringe.fm Monday through Friday for new episodes of The Secret Teachings or check out TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info to subscribe to the entire show archive so that you can listen, stream, and download every episode after it airs. Subscribers also get access to our montages and digital books, www.thesecretteachings.info and The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Don't settle for less. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but...
2: I hate this channel.
0: Are you ready to explore the unknown and the secret teachings? Do you have everything you need?
2: I've got my secret socks on, and my secret TV, and my secret TV channel.
0: Spongebob sounds ready. Are you?
2: The Fringe FM.
3: Do you like the secret teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books available in PDF and soft cover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced and unique look at the food industry vaccinations, the theories of disease and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana
2: What happens when you bring the Fringe FM together with the world's leading paranormal experts and influencers? What if no topic was off the table, including paranormal events, conspiracy theory, witchcraft, psychic abilities, astrology, ufology, and more? And what would happen if you broadcast this event in crystal clear video live around the world, allowing viewers to interact with their favorite presenters? You would have created the monster that is the Fringe Fest 2020, two nights only, Friday, October 30th and Saturday, October 31st. Go to thefringefest.com. For more info, get your tickets today at TheFringeFest.com. That is TheFringeFest.com. Trick or truth, it's up to you. Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination. Where happiness is an illusion. Here, where the past, present, and future all coexist on the same timeline. Welcome. To a future where our true reflection is only revealed once the screen goes dark. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it
1: enlightening. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, where the normal and paranormal collide. It's the Fringe FM.
2: Hello, this is James McCanny, and I would like to influence you to listen to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. It's a show that brings you a tremendous amount of variety with insight uh, with a lot of great guests. And uh, visit my webpage, jmccsci.com. appreciate your support.
0: Ryan Gable, and this is the Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. The FringeFest.com. That's where you can get your tickets to the Fringe Fest. The Fringe.FM is the network website. If you use my name, R Y A N Ryan, you'll get discounts for your tickets to Fringe Fest. Just check it out at thefringefest.com a big event coming up the weekend of Halloween, Friday and Saturday. We've got Harold Kaltz, we've got Linda Godfrey, Karen Dahlman, and many more that'll be speaking as part of our Fringe FM Festival Halloween Conference. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com rdgable at yahoo.com I like to try to string together the shows that we do, so they they link up, and I always wait for someone to to listen to the secret teachings and say, "Oh my God, I recognize that you're like pulling all these topics together and streaming and linking your shows together." And I don't think anybody's recognized that yet, but that's what my intention is. I try to link things together. So on Monday night this week, we did a show on uh, the Crooked Man. And which is an archetype and also an urban legend, and uh, some topical news dealing with human trafficking and things of that nature. Now the the root of that is the abuse of a child is the abuse of innocence and purity. It is a an evil act. And we followed that up Tuesday night with a show called "Trick of Evil: Treat of Knowledge." And how on an individual level, despite the tricks of evil, if we become knowledgeable, and that means objective knowledge, not biased political views or ideologies or collectives, but objective knowledge, the treat of knowledge helps us to grow And to overcome the perception of the darkness of things like human trafficking and things of that nature, it doesn't stop it. But in recognizing it, we are not consumed by it. We are able to consume it and to show other people who might not be aware of it. So that's why we do the secret teachings. And then because of the... The vast quantity of knowledge that is available just from your natural environment around you, not to mention the the, 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 the books that you can get your hands on and read what researchers all over the world for, for, for literally since the beginning of, of, of printed books of press have have discovered and found and you can just you think YouTube's impressive. read books and you'll find incredible information in those books on whatever subject you're interested in. And so we take that treat of knowledge into last night's show with Jared Murphy. And we talk with Jared about all these incredible uh, discoveries from engineered soil, which maybe helps plants of all varieties to grow without depleting the soil. It's artificial. It's engineered. But that it's also the way that buildings were constructed in these times, like pyramidal structures, temples, etc., they were built in a way where the soil was designed to cancel out the frequencies. Uh, this was the craziest thing he said last night. I thought it was, it was brilliant um, in terms of if that was really what it was used for. Whoever developed this was, was on a level we can't probably fathom in terms of intellectual development and, and, and engineering, but that it, was, it would cancel out earthquakes because which, what they are, they're just frequencies and waves that move through the earth. That could cancel out earthquakes with the frequency in the soil. Like, that's some pretty powerful stuff. And if you want evidence of, like, something incredible, well, there's the soil. Yeah, but that's not a UFO. Do you really need a UFO? Why do you need the UFO? Why do you need the government to say that aliens are real? You want something that is incredible. You want proof of that incredible thing. It's all around you. It's in those temples and those sites. It's, as Jared Murphy said, it's in the soil. It's in the art. It's in the so-called anomalies that when you put the anomalies together, whoa, our history is completely different. doesn't really affect me because I don't have a dogma to support, but the point is you put all this together, and tonight we, we dip our toe into the world of technology, which we have not done for some time. I spent maybe the first two segments discussing the the, the, the psychology, the philosophy of technological development, the the evolution of technological development, the social, economic, cultural, uh, human consequences of technological development. And that technology, as it develops, is meant to work for us. But if we allow ourselves to be consumed by it, and it's pretty easy... We end up working for the technology, not just because of the economic costs of it, but because we do nothing but submit to it. We don't just use it as a tool, we submit entirely to it and we are immersed in it. So we have begun the process of immersing ourselves in a digital, virtual reality. But yeah, you can turn it off right now and go outside. But we're immersed in this digital virtual reality, and we don't recognize that we are. And as we're immersed deeper and deeper into it, it changes the brain. It changes our perception. It doesn't just damage your eyesight to stare at a screen. It changes our perception of the world. Like anything that we focus on, our perception changes, or at least our focus is our perception. So the world around us is is based off of that perception. When we're in this environment, all the data that is collected, and that's what it's really about, data, information. All that data, all that information that's collected, it is used to build that digital replica of you. So when you hear futurists and technocrats and others talk about, we're going to have a computer system, a hive mind, everybody connected to it and we're going to have people that are uploaded into this, you know, these machines so that they can live forever or whatever the the selling point is, especially if you're wealthy, that's the selling point. If you're poor, it's still a selling point because well I I can live in this wonderful virtual reality and not have to deal with my real life. So that's kind of the scam. But all of that is happening without wires connected to your brain. Yeah, Elon Musk has the Neuralink, but it's all done without wires connected to your brain. You're immersed in the virtual world already incrementally slower and slower. And all the information that you put online, it's all there creating that digital replica, uploading your consciousness and your perception, your likes and your dislikes, or I should say from your likes and your dislikes, your mundane everyday activities, to your conscious awareness and your perception of the world into that platform. And with so many people doing it, it's creating a blueprint of human civilization and artificial intelligence uh, theoretically at least could scan that in a matter of seconds putting all these different variable artificial synthetic stimuli into the system to create these desired outcomes of where maybe the AI or those that control the AI that are using it would like to take human civilization maybe that's to the brink of collapse or to collapse to restart or maybe it's because of just your standard, age-old, authoritarian wishes and hopes and desires for world domination. Maybe it's as simple as that. But you're already immersed in it, and that's not meant to scare you. That's not fear. Like, I really approach this show in a a a sincerely honest and uh, natural and pure way. And sometimes I feel like maybe I just don't explain myself right. But when I'm talking about, like, Black Lives Matter, oh, that's a political show. No, I'm talking about Black Lives Matter as a sigil, as a symbol, and as a cult, where they are performing rituals to goddesses in Africa and calling down the powers of the goddess into the individuals that run the organization as witches in their religion. And this is on video and in commentary given by the founders in interviews. So it's not a political show. It's actually a very dark show on black magic and sorcery. But if you're consumed and possessed by political collective ideologies then everything becomes political because those are the glasses that you're looking at the world through. If you look at it through a more unbiased perspective, you realize maybe you hear BLM, you think, oh, it's immediately political, but then when you listen, it's, oh, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. It's pretty disturbing to think about that. It's like the show is called The Secret Teachings not because I want to have political discussions, but it's parapolitical. It's occult political. Politics are just what's on the surface, okay? It's what we see every day. It's the the topical information. But beyond that, you incorporate the myth, the archetypes, the symbolism. You incorporate the theology, the philosophy, the anthropology, the archaeology, the history. You incorporate all that into it, and you get something that I call the secret teachings. And then you can look at technology in the same way. We're being disconnected from that source of, of, of that divinity, whatever you want to call it. And it's not because of a conspiracy per se, it's because of natural evolutionary development, but then that has also been hijacked and used to make money and to control people. And it's obvious, like anything else, that's what new developments are going to be used for. You think everybody from the governor to the mayor to your friends down the road all conspired together to have a lockdown and a mask? No. A handful of people said this would be best, with no evidence, and then everybody deep throated it. Okay, they bent over, and they lubed up, and they said, "Put it in, Fauci," and then the whole world fell into economic crisis because of lies, not because of science. But they just keep calling it science. It's science. It's science. It's science. It's it's not science. Science is a fluid process by which information is derived from observation. And if you develop a theory, the theory is based on the observation, not on your predetermined, paid-for conclusion that you would like to get to reinforce your personal dogmatic biases or those of the industry or the university or the group that you're working or participating in and for. Real science used to be scorned because science was a threat to religious dogma. Now, science, of any variety, is used by people and groups to confirm the biases of those same dogmatic systems of belief, and it's become a religion with scientists becoming the high priests. In other words, what this means, on a more fundamental philosophical level, as I defined and described in my book, The Technological Elixir, which you can get at secretteachings.info. This is one of the first chapters. Science originally was seen by the religious community and the religious-minded. Not that scientists weren't religious, but the religious-minded and the religious groups as a threat to God. But science now has replaced religion as the hierarchical dogmatic authority, sometimes working hand-in-hand to facilitate the transfer of that power. And science now is God. But when God was God, God was a higher power and a higher force, an emblem of of morality and ethics and virtue and, and good things and unification and order and marriage and beauty and the opposition to chaos and disorder in the world. But when God is removed, when God represents those things and replaced with science only, well, the only gods of science are what we can see under a microscope, what we speculate on, and ultimately where the dollar, or where your currency, where your energy actually takes you in determining the outcomes of those observations and investigations. The god of religion was placed with the replaced by the god of science, and that god of science now subjects the natural world not to the whims of God and the goddess and nature, but to the whims of humankind who engineer it and alter it and mess with it and tamper with it with the arrogant notion that we can make it better because God doesn't understand how the world works. And then you just see one monumental F up after another. Oh, Genetic engineering. Oh, we didn't know there were 1500 genetic displacements and removals and additions in the genetic code. We just changed one gene, said researchers at Columbia University when they did an in vitro study on uh, blind. Literally, it's funny, but they did a study on blind mice and they cured blindness. But they're like, oh, there's thousands of genetic mutations. Oops. God didn't make that mistake. You made that mistake because you tampered with the fundamental laws of nature, and then the two people that developed the CRISPR gene editing technology just got like Nobel Prizes. You should have got your degrees and whatever it is that you have a degree in revoked because you messed up monumentally and you messed with nature and you effed it up and you get rewarded for that because the God is the God of Of the human being, not the God of a higher source of energy and power. And now, science has deteriorated to where we've moved into a lower realm of what some might call hell. We've moved so far from God, and we've moved so far from even placing humans in the place of God, that now belief is really in nothing. Belief is the foundation for existence but a belief in an atheistic anarchist environment and if you don't believe in anything and you don't have any level of i'm not talking about blind faith but you don't have any level of faith in anything what happens is there's no purpose and if there's no purpose there's no consequences to your actions and then things start to fall apart. And they start to go bad and rot. So there does need to be a reintroduction of real science and then reintroduction of God. And a reintroduction of reason and logic into our discussions and debates and our observations of the natural world. If we don't have that, then the only purpose is chaos. Chaos and that will destroy the world that we're trying to control and subject to our will as control and subjection to our will typically does which will create a much more destructive environment for us to live in and not actually progress us forward in the way that futurists and others suggest that it will but what do i know i'm just a radio host this is the secret teachings i'm ryan gable stay with us we'll be back
1: is ktlk digital broadcasting where the normal and paranormal collide it's the fringe fm
0: you could listen to this and that show is now running all day friday and all day saturday on history channel which is really amazing it's, i don't know if there's any other show on tv that's doing that right now so i hate this channel or you could listen to the secret teachings with myself ryan gable five nights a week and join us to explore the outer limits and quarantine zones of history symbolism, parapolitics, myth, and more. We don't have insiders or some galactic confederation ambassador, but we do have books, memories, critical thinking skills, and an ability to recognize patterns. And we also know a little bit about a lot, but don't take my word for it. I'm
2: kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist.
0: Find TheFringe.fm Monday through Friday for new episodes of The Secret Teachings or check out TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info to subscribe to the entire show archive so that you can listen, stream, and download every episode after it airs. Subscribers also get access to our montages and digital books, www.thesecretteachings.info, and The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Don't settle for less. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but...
1: I hate this channel. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats, go, we did all the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you're all working
2: for the same guy. Alex Exum. My name is Alex Exum, and I host live talk here on The Fringe FM. If you're sick of hearing about COVID-19, I invite you to listen to my show, 7 p.m. Pacific, Tuesday nights, for a COVID-free zone. We will not be talking about the C word. We discuss news, society, and culture, but not COVID-19. Go listen to the other fear mongers if you want to hear that nonsense.
1: Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows, also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM.
0: So perception is the key, psychological warfare is the technique, and the heart yeah. is the solution. Hot perception will change everything
1: did you buy alexa no i don't know why people would voluntarily bug your own house like do you think you're the only one listening in on that you never saw weird science how creepy these nerds are all these cameras on your phone all of that the people go on ancestry.com why would you send your saliva into the internet why don't you just go to the illuminati and help them build your robot replacement
3: (laughs) All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info.
1: This is Jess Rogie with The Rogie Report News, and you're listening to The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. The truth is out there, and so are we. I've got one that can
2: see. Calling all witches, warlocks, goblins, and ghouls. Join us for a two-day Halloween extravaganza featuring the biggest names in the paranormal universe. Friday, October the 30th and Saturday, October the 31st. Get your tickets before they sell out at thefringefest.com. That is thefringefest.com. Trick or truth? The choice is yours.
0: Do you have everything you need to explore the secret teachings? I've got my
2: secret socks on and my
0: Looks like Spongebob's ready. Are you? Yeah, you're a proper pro. And I just want to thank you, Ryan, for
1: having me on. I've heard a few of your shows and you go deep, brother. You go deeper than a deep sea diver in a shipwreck so uh been great to be a part of your show you've got a tremendous amount of knowledge yourself you've clearly put in the hours of research and i commend you for that so i'm very happy to have been a part of your show today thanks again for the invitation this is mark devlin author of musical truth volumes one and two musicaltruthbook.com online and you're listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable this is ktlk digital broadcasting The Fringe FM.
0: I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. The music tonight by Carl Casey Whitebat Audio, you can find him on YouTube. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info, where you can find my book, The Technological Elixir, softback and digital. I'll autograph that book for you right here in studio and send it out to you when you purchase a copy. That's the technological elixir at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you see it sold anywhere else, someone's trying to rip you off. It's only at thesecretteachings.info for all the books, Food Philosophy and Occult Arcana. It's all on the website. And you know what, I wrote that book covering a lot of the stuff we've talked about tonight, which is just kind of, I didn't prepare for that particular discussion, but it's just kind of coming back to me now. I guess my perspective really hasn't changed in regard to what I what I really think about the world around me um, in the like the last three years since I wrote that book and updated it. But when I when I was writing that thing, I was thinking like this book is going to be like the book, like it's got UFOs. It's got demonic packs in the entertainment industry and all the stuff we talk about with music. It's got technology. It's got theology. It's got anthropology. It's got philosophy. It's got history. It's got sociology. It's got economics. It's got all this great material in it. And I gotta be honest with you. Of all my books, like, that's that's the that's in third place for selling. I just I don't understand marketing. In fact, I went to a, uh, I went to the um, Pine Bush UFO festival here in New York like a year and a half or two, maybe like two years ago or something. And I was thinking it's a UFO festival, so I'm gonna bring my UFO technology book, the technological elixir. It's got the UFO chapter at the end. I was I'm gonna bring this book. It's gonna sell. So I brought that, and I was like, eh, I'll bring like ten food books and like because they're so big, I brought like seven or eight uh, occult arcana books. And once again, I didn't understand marketing because I go to a UFO festival with a a book with UFO stuff in it, and the food book sold. (laughs) I sold out of the food book, and I sold like two technology books. I just don't understand marketing. I don't understand how it works. I, I just don't understand it. But what I do understand is observation. I do understand patterns. I do understand that science used to be used to advanced humankind. Despite the dark ages of scientific oppression, but now science is used to stifle human development in the same way, where religion has been replaced with science and now science has been replaced with nothing, where it's always been this way, but because of bias and dogma and money, we find evidence to confirm biases rather than dismissing bias and basing theory on evidence. I've been saying that for years and years and years and years and years and years. And I, and I came to that observation, that determination myself, and then I start listening to other people. They say the same thing, and then, you know, you don't feel so alone. You realize, oh, okay, you're not good. I'm not crazy. Other people see this too. All right, other people see this too. On a Tuesday show, if you missed it, we talked a little bit about Halloween. It was our first, like, Halloween show. And um, I'm going to be doing some other Halloween shows. We've got uh, Don and David on the show probably next Wednesday to talk about what really makes you ill. It'll be our third interview with them. We're going to talk about Halloween with them. So that'll be interesting. Um trying to get Harold Couts on the show Hopefully next week before Fringe Fest, he will be presenting. As far as I understand, as far as I know, at Fringe Fest, I think on Friday, but you'd have to go to thefringefest.com to find that information. And I'm going to try and get maybe Karen Dalman or someone else from Fringe Fest to come on, and you know we'll talk and then kind of promote the Fringe Fest as well. But I'm going to do at least a, at least. One solid Halloween show before Halloween. I've actually kind of lost track of time, to be honest with you. So I've just uh, not had an opportunity to really do too many Halloween shows this year. But we talked a little bit about Halloween on Tuesday. And on the subject of technology, as we've discussed tonight, more a philosophical overview, historical overview of technological evolution and development, there is a Reese's. You know the candy? A Reese's trick-or-treat door full of candy that sends out the treats in a motorized fashion. Mm, I don't know if that makes sense to you or if I explain that right. I don't know how else to explain it. Reese's is sending out motorized trick-or-treat doors full of free candy for Halloween. That's right. You know, Reese's not sorry. So they're sending out these like doors that just give kids free candy. And it's all, oh my God, it's because of COVID. I I mean, I guess the the ingredients in a Reese's cup doesn't concern parents or children. Of course, they're not concerned about ingredients, but we're concerned with a virus. Uh, and interestingly enough, Apparently, the virus doesn't live on the door that everybody's touching, but it could live in your house if someone comes up to your house, which is, uh, I guess, uh, I talked to my friend Mike D, and he said that, I think it was his homeowner's association, he said that they told them to, like, if you're going to give out candy, leave the house and walk halfway down the driveway and meet the kids. It's like... what kind of circus theater is this? You know, what kind of theater is this? What kind of, this is entertainment for morons. You really think like, oh, if I walk to the middle of my driveway and give them the candy, no one's going to get sick. What are you talking about? It's just it's just a big mirage. So, you know, Reese's and there's going to be other stuff like this. There's, they've got a motorized trick-or-treat door that give kids the candy. You know, when I see this, let me tell you something, when I see this, all I want to do is, like, I I get, like, I get kind of angry, and, like, I want to just, I want to smash it. I really want to smash it. You know, you've seen that all over the world. Like, they have these little robots rolling around, and people push them into water. Like, they push in a mall, they'll push them into, like, the, the wishing well fountain, or they'll push them into, like, a lake, and then the city has to come along and pull the robot out. I want to just, like, smash this door. I want to put this Reese's door through that thing, that they would put the doors through in Monsters Incorporated to prevent them from using that portal again. I want to just, like, take this door and just shred it. (sniffs) First of all, Reese's are disgusting. If you like them, I don't care. Second of all, we're concerned with getting a virus, so we can't go to people's doors, and yet we're going to go get candy from Reese's with ingredients in it that will make us far sicker than a virus. It is absolutely backwards. I just It doesn't make any sense. But there are other technological developments that are, uh, they make a lot more sense, like touch-free shopping. That's another technological development because of COVID. Touch-free shopping. According to CNBC News, many retailers are now trying to stand out. They are making it easier for consumers to avoid shared surfaces and limit interactions with employees or other customers. That's led to investment and expansion of contactless checkout approaches, particularly by grocery stores. Several grocers, including Price Chopper, that is a crappy store, I've been there before, have expanded availability of smartphone apps customers can use to scan items and tally up orders. Pittsburgh-based grocery store Giant, uh, store giant Eagle is piloting a system that allows customers to skip the checkout line with technology that resembles that of Amazon Go. Right, that's the one where you put everything in the cart and there's nobody working there, and then they bill bill your microchip that's in your brain. Uh, Lowe's is installing lockers at its stores where customers can retrieve online purchases by scanning their phone. Okay, so let me tell you something. I was calling a so I <clears throat> let me back backtrack a little bit more. I asked this girl out one time at a at a like an organic like grocery store. Um it's called Lori's here in Rochester and uh, I talked to her for a long time and we we did a few things together we had lunch and she was she's deaf so I tried to learn a little sign language to communicate with her and it was kind of like that episode of Kirby Enthusiasm like don't eat where you shit and shit where you eat because I always go into the store and I'm not really like I don't I'll go in there I don't care but with with everything with the lockdowns now I don't go into this store not because of her, but because they don't want you to come in without a mask on. And I got to fight with these people. So I haven't been to this store for a very long time. And the other day I decided to call them. And I said, What's the situation with the masks? Are you, um, are you abiding by the law, federal and state, and allowing me to come in without a mask? We'd prefer that you don't, sir. But if you don't wear a mask, you got to wear a shield. And I said, Well, why would I wear a shield? That's ridiculous. Well, the executive order doesn't you know, allow you to get out of wearing a you know, a shield. And I said, okay, but wh- why would I? W- I mean, that would be like telling me there's no executive order that, that gives you an exemption from you know, having to, to wear a, a cowboy hat when I come in the store. But we want you to wear a cowboy hat when you come in the store. It just doesn't make any sense at all. So long story short, I called this store, and I'm like, I want to come in. I want to get something. And they tell me, we've got wear to the, wear the shield. This is what our boss has told us. I said, your bosses are wrong. They're dumb. They're wrong. And all I wanted was to go in and get some hot sauce. That's all. I just wanted some hot sauce for a burrito I was going to make. And the woman tells me, well, sir, we can get the item and bring it out to your car and you can pay for it out there. And I said, I'm good. Thank you. But did you hear that? Well, bring the item out to your car. I'm sure you've probably done this before, but this makes no sense. So I can't walk in the store and grab the item and pay for it, but you can grab the item. You can touch the item. You know, bring it out to me and then handle my money and give me change. But as long as we're not in the store, everybody's safe, right? But then if I'm contaminated and not wearing a mask you're going to bring those germs back in and you're going to get everybody else sick. What is going on in the world around us? And now you have Walmart and all these stores going to, you know, their 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 touch-free shopping. In fact, 2 years ago, Walmart expanded its Scan and Go app where where shoppers can use the ring up they can use it to ring up purchases with a smartphone. Um to its, uh, the big super centers. Although Walmart said access to the app is uh, one of the key perks of its new membership program, it, it, it's it been working really well during you know COVID. Customers shopped online before the pandemic, CNBC says, but a desire to limit trips to stores unleashed new demand and encouraged retailers to roll out new options. The result, new habits. Americans will continue to shop at stores, but they also may schedule curbside pickups Just like the lady at Lori's told me, come out to Lori's, we'll bring you this hot sauce or whatever you want, and then you can pay us, because outside it's safe, inside it's dangerous. Which makes me think, maybe I do want to wear a mask to go into the store. If it's dangerous in there, what are you doing in the store that makes it dangerous? Retailers also ratcheted up their use of stores as fulfillment centers. Gap said it doubled down on turning stores into mini warehouses, particularly when people couldn't visit malls to shop. Target said it used stores to fulfill more than 90% of its second quarter sales. And I read down this article. And I was just kind of, you know, skimming through it. And I came across, I was actually looking at a couple of these uh, articles of the same nature. But I came across this uh, this section where they're talking about um, big stores and how it's kind of like, Safer to shop in what they call an everything store. Here's what the CNBC article said. This is linked up at Secretteachings.info. Many retailers that have thrived during the pandemic share a commonality. They're big box retails. Retailers. Walmart, Target, Best Buy, Home Depot, and Lowe's have seen sales soar as many customers skipped the mall and shopped at the big box store or website instead. Leaders of Walmart and Target in particular have attributed their success to a diverse mix of merchandise and slave labor. Target CEO Brian Cornell has touted the retailer's role as a one-stop shop. In the early weeks of the pandemic, consumers flocked to stores to pick up on pantry staples and hand sanitizer. Fools. But as the pandemic stretched on, they shopped for bikes, puzzles, hair color, and because it's not fun anymore to play pandemic, we want to get back on the bikes and play with puzzles and dye our hair and other items to help them entertain themselves or adjust to more time at home. No, that's not why they're buying bikes. They're buying bikes because they're going back to their everyday lives, but they've just become so, it's become so normalized to wear the mask and put on the hand sanitizer that they just go to the store and do that now to buy the things they would normally be buying at Target that are overpriced and cheap garbage trash but all these sales are going up because of everything stores. Maybe it's not so much the everything store as it is that there have been illegal suggestions and dictums given by governors to shut down small stores because apparently you can't get sick in a Target, but you can get sick in a mom-and-pop store on the corner downtown in the city you live in. You get sick there, but you don't get sick at Walmart. I mean, who believes this? Who really believes this? And now they're switching as they had been. All these stores were already switching to the digital, less cash, more digital, less cash. Already switching to the the touch-free shopping, or whatever it is that they call it. Already switching to less employees and more robots. The so-called virus was just an excuse to amplify the implementation of that technology. Even the Lancet Medical Journal even the Lancet Medical Journal there's a, there's a report in there about applications of digital technology in COVID-19 and uh, the conclusion to this report is as follows. The integration of digital technology into pandemic policy and response could be one of several characteristic features of countries that have flattened their COVID-19 incidence curves and maintained low mortality rates. In other words, countries that bend, bent over and let Fauci and Bill Gates, the World Health Organization, rape them with no lube. That's where the incident curves were reduced. In the race to contain the spread of a highly transmissible disease, uh hairsay, Countries that have quickly developed digital technologies to facilitate planning, surveillance, testing, contact tracing, quarantine, and clinical management have remained front runners in managing disease burden. Of course, because they all deep-throated the World Health Organization. The comprehensive responses of countries that have been successful at containment and mitigation can provide insight to other countries that are still facing a surge of cases. Hint, hint, United States. So what they're telling you here is all the countries, all the countries... That put their hands out and let the World Health Organization and the Bill Gates Foundation put handcuffs on them and throw them into a bottomless pit. Those are the countries that have been doing really great with the incident curves. Do you see what kind of this is like this is global gaslighting? The countries that do what the global government wants them to do, and the global government's already established, Bill Gates is the science star. The countries that do, that's what it really is. The countries that do what the global government that's established, that's not completely official, but what the government of the globe, of the world, says to do. Well, they'll relieve the restrictions and say the incident curves are down. And it's because of all of these great technologies which were being introduced and crammed into society long before the pandemic. And the countries that don't want to implement them or are slow to implement them, suddenly the numbers start going up. Oh, my God, there's more and more and more and more and more and more cases. What a monumental scam. Who are these people fooling? How dumb do you have to be to buy this? The countries that do what the world government tells them to do see their incident rates of disease decline, Their society perceptually opens back up. Everybody still has to wear the mask and social distance, though. And the new technologies help to protect, not control and coerce. And the countries that are like, we don't really want to do that right now. Suddenly, huge surge in virus numbers, huge surge in incidences and in cases. How do you quantify any of this? It's just it's it's pure and simple. It's propaganda. It's literally a global government saying if you do what we say and you take all the technology and the microchips and the vaccines, then it's because of us cramming that into your rectum that you are safe from the virus and we'll lower your numbers down and let you kind of go outside every every couple days. Thank you, Bill Gates. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I love my five vaccines. And uh, if you don't do that, then they're like, well, see, you don't have the technology. You can't stop it. Literally, the technology is what's inside of the Trojan horse. It's a Trojan COVID. And what's inside of the Trojan COVID is technological tyranny on a level that is incomprehensible to the average person. Incomprehensible to the authors of the most dystopian science fiction novels ever written. Technological tyranny on a level that China doesn't even fully have implemented. But this is on a global scale, so... You've got a virus, people are sick, people are dying, the numbers are up, so do what we say, and then we'll lower the numbers for you. And then you'll be okay. This is the implementation of world government, and it's done through technocratic hands and through technocratic means. Do what we say, and we will save you from what we've created and it doesn't have to be the creation of a virus it's just fear sure but what's been created is this idea this illusion that everybody is dangerous everybody is sick everybody is dying we'll save you from that we'll turn it off from something that we've created so you're literally you're releasing Even if it's all, you know, psychological, you're releasing a problem so that you can come and solve the problem. And the solution, as is the classic problem-reaction solution, the solution is here are all the things that you wouldn't do or were too slow to do before, cashless society, microchips, breathalyzers at the airport, fingerprint scanners, naked body scanners, all this that you wouldn't fully implement. Just do it, and then we'll all be safe. I don't care if you're sick or you believe or don't believe in a virus. This is the technocracy. This is the application of technology to control, coerce, and to dominate. And to eliminate all perceived forms of freedom. And like everything else, Rome wasn't built in a day, but Rome didn't fall in a day. It's an incremental process. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and somebody busts down your door and asks you for your papers. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and suddenly... There's a guy with a weird mustache giving a speech, like Stalin or Hitler. No, you're going to wake up tomorrow and the next day and the next day thinking, oh, it's just like it was yesterday. Oh, that's the weird thing I saw in the news today. Now they want us to do this. Well, I guess I'll do it. And then, before you know it, if you look back over the last nine months, two weeks, a couple more weeks few more days, a couple more months, a couple years, a couple vaccines, and now you're never getting out of it. It's a haunted house. You're trapped in it, and you're never getting out of it. It's your new reality. It's your new normal. And it's all based on the application of technology that is used not to free, but to enslave. And that is the false promise. That is the lie. That is the trick of evil, the serpent, that you can be all-knowing and all-powerful. When you have technology, when you are connected to the technology, when you use wireless technology, cashless payments, biometrics, wires and microchips, video games and computers, you'll be just as intelligent, just as wise, just as all-knowing as God. Or in our case, just as all those things, as the technology companies that are manufacturing them for you. You'll be all-knowing and all-powerful. And you decide to take a bite of that technological apple, and you realize, oops, it was poisoned, and now I'm going to die. And since I'm already dying, I might as well take everybody down with me and not really care what happens because I'm dying. So there's no consequences truly to my actions. The ultimate consequence has already been derived from the mistake that I made, being deceived by the technological serpent that says, just take a bite of the technological apple. It will give you all this incredible knowledge and all these abilities. And if you haven't figured it out yet, if you haven't realized it yet... Um, it doesn't. It just disconnects you from source and it makes you feel less than human. This is the, 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 the archetype of the... I mean, you can find it all throughout history in the example that you want to give, but this is the technological version of the Garden of Eden. And the serpent is asking you to take a bite of that apple and you think you'll be as powerful as the the tech giants and all the people that have all the information and all the technology. You're not. No. Now you're subjugated to them. Now you do what they tell you to do. And if you don't do it, oops, your country has disease. We're going to have to shut it down until you install what we want you to install. This isn't solutions that are not These aren't solutions to a problem that is natural. These are threats and intimidation used on a global scale to coerce and to control entire countries this is that implementation of a global government it's all being done through the technological serpent the technocratic serpent asking you begging you pleading with you and promising you all these wonderful things you will be a god Oh, but you're not a god you sink lower and lower from God to science And man, to the deepest, darkest, blackest, coldest pits of hell. And that's not fear. Because recognizing it means we can overcome it. It's a positive thing. If you think I'm a fear monger, you're not listening to what I'm saying. And you're probably consumed by fear yourself. I'm in a good mood. I think it's positive. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings com. Use my name, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, to get a discount on your tickets. www.thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoy this show, you can get a copy of my book, The Technological Elixir, on our website, or you get all the digital books, all the montages, and all the shows when you subscribe for a month or a year at thesecretteachings.info. It's all done through PayPal at thesecretteachings.info. Though we do have uh, the option for checks or money orders if you want to do it that way. P.O. Box 81. P.O. Box 81, West Bloomfield, New York, 14585. West Bloomfield, New York, 14585, P.O. Box 81. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. Tomorrow night, a best of on the secret teachings. To wrap up the week and the next week, our Halloween week up into Fringe Fest. A lot of great material. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned at the fringe and stay tuned to the secret teachings. Five nights a week on the fringe. Stay safe, stay informed, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.
1: This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.